Trusted name in radio. I paid Mr. Walsh a lot of money to tell you that. We have Michael Togus on the line. Good morning, Michael. How are you, young man? Can't hear you. Okay, so. Hold on, hold on. Okay, go ahead, Michael. Okay, we're all muted now. There you go. Now, Michael, are you there? I'm here. There, now we can hear him. Okay, sorry about that. I got got some new equipment here that they're actually putting me in control. Very dangerous. Scary. Scary. (laughs) Now, last time you were on the show, you had written a top-selling book. It was made into a major motion picture with Disney. What was the name of that book and the movie? The Finest Hours. The book and the movie had the same same name. Yeah, and that was a great motion picture, by the way. Great book. And just give a brief so people will know, because I think uh, people will need to know that he's coming to town. You're going to have two occasions where you'll get to hear Michael speak in public. Uh, so what was uh, give us a 30-second version of what that book and movie was about, Michael. That was the Coast Guard's greatest rescue. It happened off Cape Cod when two oil tankers split in half. And just this miracle rescue in a blizzard, 40-foot waves. Uh, just, yeah, off the charts. I can't tell you how much I admire you exceedingly, you guys that do researches on a book like that. How long did it take you to write that book? That one was probably a good three years aren't after writing a book for three years aren't you sick to death of the subject oh my word or do you <laughs> love the investigative stuff on google and uh, yeah and now you know then follows the fun stuff like you know when i'm speaking at the emerson center and sebastian to me that's all fun because the, the hard work's been done now see that's funny because most of the time the authors make it sound like it's a labor that they have to do for the promotion, but they really like being by themselves, solitary, doing the investigative work on something. You just said the opposite, and that came out of your heart. So I can tell it's true. You're like me. I love people. Right, exactly. Now, right. the new book you have written, what's the title of your new book? It's called Extreme Survival, Lessons from Those Who Have Triumphed Against All Odds. Extreme Survival, Lessons, oh, Lessons... From the, I can't wait to read this because I presume this is almost like a positive thinking book like Norman Vincent Peale, except you've taken actual cases of people who have uh, extremely survived. And this will certainly invest in our, our, our I don't know, what's the right word? Uh, uh, abilities. To- our perseverance yeah. and yeah. our determination. Right, the lessons. So basically what I did, Rhett, was I interviewed over 100 ex- survivors who are off the charts, should not have survived. Three days alone, 500 miles adrift in the ocean, swimming for three days, for example. Amazing. How do you how do you get through that and not crack up? And I took these stories and I tell the story because I want to edge of your seat read where the reader's like, oh my God, what happens? But then I do a deep dive into how did they keep it together? How did they keep making the right decisions and I began, began to notice patterns between the various survivors. 
And then to supplement that, I mixed in some survivors from history, from John McCain being a POW to Shackleton in the Antarctic. Um, so it's this it's this combination book of the stories of survival, but then the lessons learned, how they do it, and how could we use those. Let me ask you this: uh, over after twenty eight years of doing interviews, I, I look for threads. I'm certain you yes. must have found. Uh, some threads. What are the threads of greatness that prevails in the personalities of these survivors? They, you know, a lot of them would break down their ordeal into small attainable components. So in other words, if you're adrift in the ocean all alone swimming for three days, if you think of how am I going to get out of this, you're going to give up because it's so overwhelming. Mm. But they would think in terms of what can I do in the next hour to improve my situation. So they'd break these big, big, overwhelming objectives down into tiny pieces and just focus. And, and in the book, I, there's a whole chapter on that. I call it the power of little steps. Isn't you know, that, wouldn't you're that not going to make it in one big step. You know, it sounds to me like you've discovered something very important here. I've, I've noticed throughout my life, I've met some very, what the world would consider successful individuals some of them tend to be what you would construe as plodders, not necessarily mm. the brightest mind in the sharpest knife in the draw, but they plod. They go the next best thing. In other words, a guy like me who's like a songwriter, singer, trying to get his songs published. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. the whole world, I go to New York City, I'm turned down. I say, I can't handle this anymore. I'll never break through the giant. Whereas if you say, no, mail out a song at least one every week, Break it down yes. sooner or later. It's just like I always wanted to meet Bob Dylan, okay? I, I'm probably not going to get that chance. Mm -hmm. But 25 years ago, if I decided to have my secretary write a letter every week, after 20, <laughs> after 20 years, certainly I said, look, we got to give this guy. Give this guy 15 <laughs> minutes. You know what I mean? But you don't realize that. So if there's advice to somebody that's young or old out there, there's right. nothing can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Uneducated genius is almost a proverb. Wasn't it Calvin Coolidge who said that? But persistence alone is omnipotent. Do you think that's true, Michael? Absolutely. In extreme survival, it's, it's illustrated time and time again. Another thing I noticed from these survivors is they all trusted their, their guts. Um, and a lot of times, those who didn't, got in trouble. So I'll give you an example. A, a woman, she goes on a sailing trip and it turns into a disaster. Two of the guys start sipping seawater and, oh. and suddenly go, they're in a raft, suddenly go, oh, I got to get some beer at the 7-Eleven. And they step out of the life raft and boom, the sharks get them. And she later lamented how she got in that situation. And she had a beautiful quote. She said, a list of pros and cons isn't as important as your gut feeling. And she ignored her gut feeling in this incident. How so? And then later realized what that gut feeling was. Well, wait a second. She had the gut feeling not to drink the water, so she lived. The others didn't. She, she was a, a strong survivor, <clears throat> but she got into that situation by not listening to her gut feeling. So it was really interesting. Uh, she's out of the five in the life raft, only two made it. And I interviewed one of the two. And um, again, he was thinking, what can I do to to 
break this situation down into little steps. Just what can I do in the next hour? Well, you know, I mean, but, even the Bible and Proverbs, uh, the books of wisdom from Solomon, says uh, he who does not confide in his wife is a fool. Uh, because we know historically women have intuitive addresses. I mean, for instance, yes. if, if Barbara, my wife, says, don't have anything to do with this businessman, and I go mm-hmm. forward, I, can, I think almost every time I've been burned. Because I went, yeah. and, and I happen to be an artist, and I think I'm, I've cultivated my connection with intuition and what I consider the Holy Spirit of God. And so I've learned mm-hmm. if it looks like a skunk and smells like a skunk, don't go out to dinner with him because it's a skunk. Right, right. And, you know, my, here's my definition of intuition after the research for extreme survival. I think it's a series of subconscious clues that you can't articulate yet. So you have this feeling, either go for it or don't go for it. And you don't know why, so you might ignore it because you don't know why. But then later, it all becomes clear. In the case of that woman who ignored her gut feeling, she later said, well, now I see why I had the gut feeling not to go on the trip. There were some clues that this man, the captain, was an alcoholic. And Mm -hmm. but she... But when she got the gut feeling, she she didn't realize that, but it was nagging, nagging at her. And I think if you listen long enough, it becomes clear. Okay, hold on just a second. Noah, are you recording this somehow in there? Okay, because I forgot to press the record button on this unit. I just want to make sure that you've got us covered. Okay, so we'll just continue on. But listen, Michael, I got a deal for you. Uh, yes. Such a deal have I got for you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I'll take you. You got to give me a copy of your book signed. Mm-hmm. You and your yep. wife. Is your wife with you this trip? I uh, jumped down. Uh, uh, my girlfriend will be down a little while. Okay. Because what I want to do is I'll make a deal. I'll take you like to the Ocean Grill, someplace very famous yeah. and nice. My treat. But you okay. have to give me another interview. I'm going to predict right now, Michael, just from what you've told me yeah. on this book. I think once again you have hit a home run. I'm not sure it'll be made into a movie. Maybe it will. Maybe they'll take some of the segments out of it. That's uh, that's not my knowledge. But I will say this: just from what you've told me, I think it's a, the the timing is apropos. People need a shot in the arm. It sounds yeah. to me, and because I, I know you're a great writer, you've already proven that. How many books have you had out? Uh, Thirty for adults <laughs> and eight for young adults. <laughs> But you know, you gave you gave me goosebumps there because just yesterday I got an email from a woman and she said, "I have a chronic illness, but this book, Extreme Survival, has given me so many steps of how to deal with it. Thank you so much." And I was like, "Yes, that's what I want." <laughs> you know, in a way, and I don't know where you are faith wise. I, I was a, I was into Eastern religions till I was twenty nine. I did not believe mm-hmm. Jesus. I thought it was a bunch of hooey. Later, at the age of 29, I had a miraculous encounter in my living room, not in a church, yep. thank God. It was in my living room with Jesus, and I know he's Lord. The thing is, in the Bible, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and there are laws of reciprocity in this world that prevail. There are laws mm-hmm. of—if you notice, anybody that becomes successful takes yeah. chances. Right. I mean, if you're going so to invest in a piece of land, that's why these right. big guys become billionaires. I just originally where a guy lost a billion. How do you lose a billion dollars? Because they're, they're, they're gamblers. They take chances. Right. But the Bible says God has no joy in the timid soul. Go and uh-huh. take the land, seize the land. So I don't know where you're at spiritually, but this can also be applied to the spiritual laws that God ha- that has that prevail in the universe. 
Mm-hmm. So continue on. We want to hear more. Tell us another story of a survivor in your new book. By the way, once again, I want to say the title of the book is? Extreme Survival, Lessons from Those Who Have Triumphed Against All Odds. Now, you're going to be speaking where and when? So I'm doing that talk at the Sebastian Library at 2 o'clock on March 6th. Oh, okay. That's coming right up. And then... And then at the Emerson Center, I'm doing a different talk, but I will touch on the Extreme Survival book. At the Emerson Center, I'm talking about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis in World War II. I I co-wrote a book with Doug Stanton for young adults called In Harm's Way. Doug had done the uh, adult version, and then we teamed up to do the young adult version. Now, when are you going to be at the Emerson Center? And the Emerson Center is the next day, March 7th at 7 p.m. Okay, March 7th at the Emerson Center. This is wonderful. Uh, okay, so then uh, it, it, since it's uh, the beginning of March today, uh, I, I'm going to have to buy that dinner pretty soon. <laughs> 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 Oy vey, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> so this is very exciting. Tell us another story of survival. Uh, you know what? You know, earlier I mentioned the one about uh, John McCain and, uh, you know, because he was a POW for seven years. He was tortured. And in reading his book and some of the letters he wrote, there was one theme that came through and he said, don't get too high on the rumors of release. Mm. And he said, because I saw men break when it didn't come true. Yeah. And he had a phrase for it. He called it uh, steady strain. Just kind of do, do your best to stay in the middle. And steady what? Ends up a steady strain. So that S-T-R-A-I-N. the strain on you stays steady. Steady strain. Yeah. So that it's not, you're not going through highs and lows. And I put him in the chapter called As Long As It Takes. These, these survivors who are fighting through, you know, the impossible they, they try not to fixate on a deadline. Like, okay, if I'm not rescued by tonight, it's all over. No, they they take the approach. I I don't know when I'm going to be rescued. Maybe I won't, but I'm going to go down fighting for as long as it takes. Did the finest and hour, that's the book, the, winning combination. The, the finest hour that you wrote became a New York Times bestseller. It was also became a motion picture Disney, and it was their mm-hmm. finest hour. Did that inspire somehow this next move into this book? Yes, uh, most definitely, because, again, even though we had both uh, rescuers and survivors in that, I did see some overlapping mindsets of how they got through the ordeal uh, with the people I interviewed. You do realize I'm going to I'm, I'd like to become your new agent, because after this book, <laughs> <laughs> after this book comes out, I think you'll be in demand as a motivational speaker for major corporate events. You you have the gig. You're hired. Okay. I, I, no, seriously, I'll sign you up, and I will promise you I'll get you more than any of those other booking agencies will get. But, of course, I will get an ample commission out of this. <laughs> I, no, but in I'm all seriousness, I would love to take I, a guy with you. And I'm serious, too. I'm okay. all for it because I, I do not use my old lecture bureau anymore, and the book is already out. Extreme Survival has come out. Oh, so I can buy that and, at the Vero Beach Book Center or Books a Million or uh, yeah, Barnes yeah. & Noble? Oh, I didn't know yeah, it was out yeah, already. Yeah, just had a, had a great review in uh, the Boston Globe. Um, so it's been selling very well. And uh, and I think for those reasons that I knew it would appeal to my normal readers who like true adventure, true survival. Yeah. 
but it's it's being picked up by people who go, you know, I got a really challenging goal. I want to see how these people did it. So so I can utilize I'm you, it. This in my is, own I'm life. I'm very excited about this. How many how many days has it been out? Oh, it's been out now for let's see, six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Do these do, when you go out like this as a writer? I know that Debbie Maycomber is a personal friend. She does all mm-hmm. these book signings, and they say that's why she sells two hundred forty million copies of her books. Somehow connects with the public. I mean, you come into a town like this, and you know there's two hundred people in the audience, six hundred people in the audience, right. one hundred. Does that really make a difference when it comes to hundreds of thousands of purchases of books somehow? I, I think it most definitely helps. You're making a direct connection to the reader. Uh, they're seeing you. I always show slides of the story. So when I'm at the Sebastian Library, I'll be showing slides from some of these survival stories. And at the Emerson Center, showing slides about the whole Indianapolis debacle. Wow. Okay, let's move along now. Uh, we've got a time for at least one more, one more quick story of a survivor in your new book. I, I want to pick a woman this time, okay. and this goes way back to colonial history. Oh. She she wrote the first best-selling book in America. Her name was Mary Rowlandson, and she was taken captive during King Philip's Indian War. And while most people died in captivity, if it was a long stretch, she lived. So I read her book. I read her diary from that period, and I began to see how she did it. And one of the techniques was every time she was about to give up and she knew death would be quick, they just knock her over the head. She would think of her children and her husband and how much they need her in her life. And that would give her additional motivation to fight on. And then when I interviewed Locke Reedy, who lives in the villages here in Florida, and he survived days at sea, he said something very similar. He said, Mike, I was ready to give up. And then I just had the image of my 14-year-old daughter. And I said to myself, Locke, you've got to fight a little bit longer for her. So sometimes these survivors need a reason bigger than themselves. Well, don't we? I know that women are capable of more. This will sound like I'm off the rocker here, but women are more capable of hypothetical information. Men are more, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they need practical. In other words, if, if I tell you as a young man, you know, you're 10 years of age, say, hey, Michael, you want to, I'm your grandfather. Yeah. Let's pretend I'm your grandfather. We're going to go, uh, no, no, I come and I want to teach you about a, a, a ruler. Uh, what's a ruler? Uh-huh. I don't care. What's a, what's an inch? What's an, <laughs> but if I tell you, Michael, you and I are going to go have companionship, fellowship. We're going to go out to the mm-hmm. barn. We're going to build a table. Oh, oh, we are. Okay. Now we have to know what a ruler is so we can, oh, what's a, what's a ruler? Okay. 12 inches. What's a, what's an inch? Okay. All of a sudden mm-hmm. you want to learn because see, I think that uh, people, um, when they can apply this, th- this will uh, awaken the giant yeah. within, as a, as a saying by we attributed to Anthony Robbins. But it is true, awakening the giant within. Often right. with males, it takes a guy. Well, it, Pat Robertson said a guy's out on his own. Eh, he's kind of drifting afloat. Young men. I know. I have a friend of mine right. who's a father. He's worried about his son who's twenty years of age now. But when a young man either finds a woman worthy to live for, or he's married, and then the baby comes. Suddenly, their whole thing changes because they have someone outside of self. People get sober in AA, not when they take it in, when they realize they get together. Bill and this doctor got together, you know, the famous guy, and decided to sit down and say, I'm having a hard time. He says, I'm having a hard time. Let's meet every night while we talk. And they built each other up. They gave to the other. When we give to others, it can release indomitable uh, powers 
that we know not of. And I think essentially that's what you're saying here. Exactly. The people in extreme survival needed a reason to fight through the pain bigger than themselves. I, uh, and, Michael, uh, I just I just applaud you for co- this book at this time. And as I said, I predict it's going to be a big thing. I'm gonna we're gonna sign that contract. I'm gonna <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. sure, I, you said you were serious. I'm serious. Uh, I am. Yeah. The title of the to. the title of the book again is Extreme Survival: Lessons from Those Who Have Triumphed Against All Odds. It's available in bookstores everywhere. Amazon.com. It's available at uh, Barnes and Noble. It's available at the Vero Beach Book Center. It's available at Books a Million out at the mall or wherever you are. And uh, you're going to be coming to the Emerson Center, and that will be March seventh. Uh, at is it yeah. an evening's uh, conversation? Yeah, and there I'll be talking about the sinking of the USS Indianapolis in World War II. And then I'll on talk this... a little bit about extreme survival as well. All right. And then at the Sebastian Library the day before on the March 6th at 2 p.m., it will just be on extreme survival with, with slides from these stars. I can't wait. This is going to be fantastic. Okay, so uh, let's stay in touch. And thank you. By the way, you could he could pick many shows throughout the United States, uh, bigger shots than me, and yet you remembered me and you called us. No, no, I want to thank you. Thank you very We've much. We've always had a good time. You and I have done probably five shows over the last 15 years. Yeah. You're, well, you're a great author, and I'm very honored that you would uh, include me in your promotion. It's great to talk to you, and I hope this is going to affect a lot of people in a very positive way. Okay? Me too. Thank you, Rhett. Okay. we got to take a break. We have a special show coming up, and that show is called? Patriot Church. Patriot Church with Pastor John Vacchiano. And by the way, he has his church up in Sebastian, Florida, so maybe you guys can meet. Got to take a break. I'm Red Palmer, the mayor of the airways. Who loves you, baby? Somebody up above far greater than I, I assure you. Thank you.